morning. Uh, it is really great to be here. I don't typically get applause before <laughs> preaching. Um, I was just thinking, actually, I think it was May, five years ago, that I, I preached my last sermon here, um, and I was hugely pregnant at, at the time. So um, I feel very, very thankful uh, to get to be here on a, a day like today. My family and I are about to leave Atlanta and um, move back to Arkansas, which is where I'm from. Um, I'm going to be leading a small Anglican church in Fayetteville. If you um, know, know Arkansas uh, and you have people in Fayetteville, now's your chance to let them know that we are coming there. Uh, and I'm, I'm thrilled. It feels like a really great opportunity and also um, has been, as you might imagine, an extraordinarily bittersweet uh, kind of time. Uh, just as it was whenever we, um, several years ago, five years ago now, whenever Matthew stepped into this role here on what was then the east side and is now Emmanuel, I remember a very similar feeling. Um, I spent a lot of hours um, on my knees uh, in this room, on this floor, um, even before it looked like this, when it still had yucky carpet in it, um, before we pulled it up. And so um, I remember that time and was just, as we were worshiping, it's a very, very similar feeling. And yet also, in the, all with all the sadness and the grief, there's like this promise of new things, new life. You all are evidence of that. There's so many of you in this room I don't know. Thanks be to God. So many of you who don't know me. And that's because God's telling a story that's bigger and longer than any of us. Um, I remember one of the first Sundays that I was back here just like to hang out after Matthew had been um, in this role for a little while. I was standing at the, in the cafe and just like getting a bagel for my kid. And somebody walked up and I said, hi. He said, hi. He said, have you been here long? And I said, now, yes and no. <laughs> and he said, well, the bagels are good. And I was like, they are good. I like the uh, And it just, you know, those are the, that's just what God does. It's a long game, y'all. Some of the babies we're going to baptize this morning, um, I've known their parents for a long time, and it's just really beautiful to see the story roll on, you know, in the way that it's meant to. So if you have Bibles, we're going to be um, in John 17. We're going to read the words of Jesus and um, pray and see what God might say to us um, before we do the baptisms this morning. We're going to start reading in verse 20. This is the so-called high priestly prayer of Jesus. We'll read and then we'll pray. Jesus says to the Father, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known 
so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Spirit, Lord, we bless you for this time together. We thank you, God, for the gift of the church. For a chance, Lord, to be still, to be in a holy place. To be called holy, Lord, to be made holy because you're here with us. To be sanctified and made new. Thank you, Lord, for always being at work, changing us, doing new things. And so that's what we ask you for, Holy Spirit, this morning. Even now, Lord, as we pray, as we listen to your words, Jesus, Holy Spirit, will you be at work in our, I don't know, our guts, in the deepest parts of us, Lord, calling us to yourself, making us, Lord, more like you, making us new. Holy Spirit, bless this time. Help us to hear you. Help us to see Jesus. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, um, because I've been in a particularly nostalgic uh, place for the last few weeks, um, doing a lot of just reflecting, and you'll just kind of have to bear with me. I have for what are you, um, just some thoughts um, as I've been sitting with this prayer from Jesus in my own life. And um, that's what I want to share with you, is just what I think that the Lord might be saying, uh, not only to me, but um, maybe by extension to all of us. Um, this is a really like intimate moment that we're getting a chance to peek in on. Jesus was in this like long dialogue discourse with the disciples. They were having this long conversation. He, these are the final days of his life before he goes to the cross. And um, suddenly he just turns and begins to have a similar kind of conversation with the Father in the presence of the disciples. And there's this, I, I mean, it's the seamlessness of it that I love. Um, I, maybe you have never known this, but one of the great like joys of my life has been loving people well enough um, in the Lord to be in conversation with them and then be able to like kind of turn and pray and it not be weird. Do you know what I mean? Um, where it's like, and now we pray. We shift gears from normal to not normal starting now. Uh, and it just wasn't like that, you know, with Jesus and the disciples and with the Lord. There was something really, like, intimate, beautiful happening there um, that I, I envy, I think, in a kind of holy envy. I also think it's a beautiful reminder that um, on a day maybe like today, given the prayer that Beth prayed, what's happening in the world, and y'all, let's be honest, this extended season of weirdness that we've all been in, be it pandemic or particularly for you all at Emmanuel, it's just a tough season. Um, Matthew's not here. Things feel uncertain. That's hard, and it's been hard for a while. And I'm going through my own version of something that feels pretty strange and different. And so when I sit with a, these words, it's a reminder to me at a time um, that also felt very tough for Jesus and for the disciples, um, that Jesus intercedes for us. Like Jesus began to pray not only for the disciples specifically, but he mentions us by name. He says, and all of those who will believe in me through them. That's you. That's me. We have this rare opportunity to get to hear, overhear, like eavesdrop on Jesus praying for us, which is a reminder that he does. I mean, Paul says in Romans, who then condemns us? Christ is for us. No one. Christ who died, and even more, who was raised, intercedes for us before the Father. What a beautiful thought. 
Paul was saying, if Jesus is for you, who can be against you? And please don't forget that that's not just like true in Jesus's life for the disciples or true, you know, in some ultimate way, like in heaven, but that in your life, Jesus advocates for you. He intercedes for you, prays for you. He's for you. And it feels really important to remember in times of like struggle. So Jesus is moving towards the cross. And I think um, one of the first things that I notice as I like sit with this part of John is that if you're paying attention, particularly in John's gospel, you will notice the fact that as Jesus gets closer to the cross, um, he becomes more prayerful. Um, Not to say, I mean, I think Jesus prayed a lot, probably, you know, all the time. But I think there was something distinct about the way that he prayed as he moved through a trial, something that was really tough. It changed the way that he interacted with God. It's almost like all of his spare thoughts, when he wasn't like in conversation and dialogue with a person, his mind went immediately to just like being in prayer with God. And um, I don't know that you've ever experienced what that's like. I don't know that I've experienced it the way Jesus did, certainly. But I, I do feel like there's a kind of invitation that I feel, maybe is the best way of saying it, at this time in my, my own life, to be reminded that um, trials can be y'all really good teachers, struggle, things that feel uh, uncertain and even painful, scary, have a way of like redirecting um, our attention, our thoughts. They break us out of our normal patterns, even thought patterns and routines, so that we are more prone to like crying out, lamenting, turning our thoughts towards God. And I think that's what we see Jesus doing here. It's like he's in conversation and then all of a sudden his like spare thoughts become directed towards the Father in a really beautiful way. Um... I think that's a reminder to me also in just listening to him pray, knowing all that he knew, right? I mean, this is, this is on the eve of everything that is about to take place, the betrayals that are in front of him, the sin that he's going to encounter, um, you know, dying, all that stuff still in front of him. And yet he's praying these really lovely, powerful prayers so here's the thing that I've been reflecting on a lot in my life as I go through a pretty uncertain time myself. I think the prayers that we pray and struggle have a particular kind of power and effect. When you turn to God, when it is hard, and maybe because you don't have anywhere else to turn, and maybe even when you don't know what to say or not sure how you feel, I think there is an invitation from us in this moment in Jesus' life to Be reflective about the fact that those prayers have a very unique kind of power and effect. Jesus was in this prayer praying for the church that did not yet exist. The church was the 12 guys who knew Jesus and some other people. (laughs) And yet Jesus was like praying something into existence. This prayer has reached all the way across time, across oceans and untold places to be here with us now some 2,000 years later in Georgia. That will never stop fascinating me. I don't think that Jesus held all that in his mind, but I do think that God was at work in his prayers in a way to like create something, call something into existence in a way that Jesus couldn't even foresee maybe entirely himself. So if that was true for him, that cannot just be true for Jesus. What I'm saying to you is what if the prayers that you pray and struggle are also creating and calling into existence things that today you can't see and don't know? And could there be an invitation for you to like invite God into the thing that you're going through so that he can do more than you're able right now to know or imagine? 
Because the prayers that Jesus prayed for us, that we would all be one, that we would love each other, all those things, like it didn't stop Peter from betraying him. Do you know what I mean? The prayers that Jesus prayed for Peter did not keep Peter from messing up. The prayers that Jesus prayed for all of us did not keep the high priest from crucifying him. Those things still happened. Things that we don't want to happen, happen, even when we pray really intensely. But I think that there is also a reminder here that a lot more than that happened, that God was at work. And that he always is, maybe especially in those kinds of prayers. So here's the invitation to you and to me. If you're going through a kind of tough time right now, something that feels like a real struggle, a trial, let God guide you. Let him lead you into a different way of praying, especially if that annoys you to hear. I think that's probably maybe even more reason that it's true for you. What if your spare thoughts could be taken to God? And that, and I'm not talking, please, what? Here's the first thing. What if your struggle could give you an imagination for prayer that was like extended beyond your quiet time so that we didn't always assume that when we're talking about prayer, what we're talking about is that 20 minutes in the morning with my coffee before I go to work? The prayer could be something new for you, something different, something other than that. A kind of seamless life with God. What if that's what he wants to do in you and through you? I mean, imagine, for example, I was talking about this with a friend the other day. If we checked in with the Holy Spirit as much as we check in with our phones. What untold wonders we might do. Who could stop the church? Have you ever thought? And I, I mean like a, in a breathless, seamless kind of way. Without ceasing, Paul called it. I think there's a reason to believe that we're called to something like that. Um, and that there's more for you to know of God as a result. Here's the second thing I want to talk about or say. The other thing I was reflecting on as I was reading through this prayer, um, which often happens to me, How did John record all of these words? Have you ever thought about that? He didn't have a recorder. Was he just in the corner, furiously writing as Jesus was praying? You know, everyone else had their eyes closed and their heads bowed except for John. And he's like, no, we're going to want this later. <laughs> I write this down, you know. I don't think that's probably what happened. Here's what I think is closer to probably what happened. Um, after Jesus died, after the resurrection, several years later, many in fact, long enough for things to get really hard for the church. Pentecost was a fun time. The church was growing. Fun things were happening. People were coming to faith. It was a few decades after that that things got really hard, particularly for John. And it was around that time that they started to, like he did anyway, write his gospel. He didn't know, I think, that it was going to be a gospel, so-called. But he decided to tell his story about Jesus as a gift to the church. And when he sat down, let's assume he sat, to write his gospel, he probably had a few things at his disposal. He probably had, for example, the gospel of Mark, scholars believe, is our oldest gospel. Interestingly enough, didn't start with Matthew. Mark's the oldest one. 
we believe. So he probably had a copy of Mark's gospel, maybe also had, you know, some bits of the others, some guys that he had known who'd set out to also tell their story about Jesus. He's got it on his desk. I imagine he had a desk. Maybe he didn't. There's got the gospel of Mark. He also probably had some of his own journals, his diaries, the things he had written down himself that he'd heard Jesus say, notes that he'd kept over the years. He probably also had interviews that he had done with other people. He's got all of these very natural, mundane, everyday kind of stuff on his desk, just like you would if you were going to set out to do a thing. And then in addition to those things, he prayed. So he's got all of this. And then at some point, he sat at his desk and he closed his eyes and he said, come Holy Spirit. And as he prayed, Jesus became present to him, became real, became more accessible in a way that we now refer to as like inspired. Something happened in John's prayer that inspired his writing. He was able to both recall the words of Jesus and maybe even hear things new as he set out to write. I have no idea exactly what that was like. I do feel like I have some sense, though, of what it feels like to be carried by the Holy Spirit when you set out to do a thing. So here's the thing in light of that fact that I feel impressed upon to say to you. I don't know who in this room might be setting out to do something new. I know what my thing is going to be. I don't know what your thing is going to be. But I do know that in addition to having all of the natural resources that you need to do it, your skills, your talents, and again, I literally don't know what it is. Maybe it's that you're getting married. Maybe it's that you're starting treatment for an illness. Maybe it's that you're becoming a parent or you're moving. I don't know. But you'll have all the natural things to do the thing that you need to do with. But in addition to those things, here's what I want to say to you. Do not forget that you also have at your disposal the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you would like the thing that you set out to do to be something that is inspired by him and points people and leads people to Jesus in the way that John's gospel does and did, then you need to invite the Holy Spirit into it in an intentional way. And if you're like, I don't know what that means, fantastic. He would love to teach you. He's a really great teacher that way. I would say most simply, I think it means that we need to firstly become, come Holy Spirit people. So that's like the second thing I want to say is become a like come Holy Spirit person in this next thing that you're setting out to do. Before your meetings, take a minute, a second or two to say, come Holy Spirit. When you feel outmatched, confused, can in this season you become somebody who decides as a discipline, I am going to say and pray at a time like that, come Holy Spirit, when I fight with my spouse. I'm going to become a person who says, come Holy Spirit. Because y'all, here's the thing I know. We need more people, more endeavors, more churches that are inspired by God's Spirit to lead people and point people to Jesus. All of our natural resources, efforts, skills, and talents, as good as they are, cannot do what John's gospel does. Do you know what I mean? 
There is a power at work in these words that I myself cannot always understand. And what you need to know is that regardless of who you are or where you are or what you did before you got here, God would like to pull you into what he's doing and use your life and work through you in ways that are beyond your ability right now to know or imagine. That's who he is. And there isn't a person in this room for whom that is not true. It's probably especially true for you if you've already counted yourself out. If that all feels too spiritual or too religious to ever matter to you, then you are exactly the person I believe Jesus is talking to. What if you invited God into your life? What might he build and do? What if you became a come Holy Spirit person? Here's the last thing that I want to say before we do baptisms related to that. When Jesus prays that we would be one, and there's a lot of that in John's gospel and especially in this prayer, it mattered to him. And I don't know if you're like me, but I read the words of Jesus and some part of me feels sad. So it's like, we are not that most of the time. Jesus. Here's what I think. Given all of our divisions and all that is wrong with the church, this is not that sermon. That's another sermon. I think when Jesus was praying that we would be one, he was thinking about something that really didn't have anything to do with where we worshiped or what tribe of Christian we belonged to, our denomination. Which, by the way, denominations on their own are not are neither new nor bad necessarily. You know what I'm saying? The fact that there are a lot of different churches is not evidence necessarily of our divisiveness or the fact that we are divided or not one. Actually, the older I get, the more thankful I am that there are a lot of different kinds of churches and that my church doesn't have to do it all. You know what I'm saying? Or be it all. I can just like, thank God. We don't do that. They do though, and they're great at it. You should go there. And that thing that they're not great at, somebody else probably does, you know? And that's just okay. I don't think that that's necessary. That's when we're talking about division or the church being divided, we're not talking about denominations. It's even okay that we disagree and even that we dislike each other sometimes. What is not okay is that we withhold the spirit from one another, which is what I think Jesus meant by our oneness. Jesus is talking about and praying for our bond in the spirit something that is deeper than where we go to church or what we think about a particular issue. Because I, I know this now, because the thing in you that changes my life that I actually need in you as a Christian has nothing to do with where you go to church or who you voted for. This is the thing I need from you. I need to know that when I go through a really hard time and I don't know what to do, that you will pray for me and that you could hear the Lord on my behalf. And I have sat with Christians of all stripes from every church, many of whom I disagreed with on a number of issues. And when stuff gets real, guess how much of that matters? Not at all. Not at all. So when Jesus was praying that we would be one, that's what he meant. Our sin is not how many denominations that we have or how easily divided we are. Our sin is that we have withheld the spirit from one another, y'all. By not cultivating a life with God in our own lives by not pressing in and going deeper with him myself so that I have him, the life of Jesus, to offer to you when you go through something really hard. 
because that's what you really need, not my opinions, theologically or otherwise. You need him. So how do we give that more and more to one another? How do we be people who are filled with the life of Jesus so that we have, it, have him to offer to people when they come to us? I don't know exactly, but I do know that there's an invitation for me and for you to figure out, maybe now, to ask the question, have I, like, participated or worked against maybe the thing Jesus prayed for by not, like, having a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit myself? Not just because of where I go to church or that thing I said that time. What if the unity that we really want and needs to be created starts with the way we pray, the way we invite God into the thing that's hard? So I would ask you just like to be reflective about that and this next stretch of time. Jesus says one of my favorite things that he ever says in this passage. He says, Father, my prayer is that those that you have given to me would be with me where I am. I think that's a really lovely thing. Um, it's a reminder to me that what Jesus really wants is for us to be with him where he is. That's why my prayerfulness, my life with, my life with God ultimately matters. It's the thing that keeps me connected to him, that allows me to be with him where he is. I don't just think Jesus was talking about heaven. In one sense, yes, he was looking forward to, anticipating, I believe, the day when we would all be together in a renewed heaven and a renewed earth but we're missing something if we think that's all he meant. I think Jesus wants you to be with him where he is and where he is in the world. You can know through prayer by being connected to the Holy Spirit. And where he is is often not the places that we most want to be. But sometimes it is. So can these words be a reminder to you, firstly, that he wants you with him where he is, and the only way that you get there is to ask him, where are you? Come, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me to Jesus. Help me find him and see him. I want to be wherever he is, and I don't want to be anywhere else. That's just the thing I know. If that's here, indicator for me now, that's great. And if he leads me somewhere else tomorrow, that's where I go. Because it's just better wherever he is. So I pray that would be true for you, for this church. It's my prayer for you. It has been this morning and into this next chapter is that you also would be with him where he is, doing the things that he's doing um, in this city that I love so much. He loves so much. Holy Spirit, we love you, Lord. We ask you, God, now just to be with us, Lord, as we move into baptisms, as we invite, Lord, even the smallest of these, the least of these, Lord, um, into your church, that you would, Holy Spirit, be here to sanctify this time, to empower it, Lord, to animate it, God, that you would do more, Jesus, than we're ever able to see or understand for the long story that you're telling in their lives and in each of our lives, Lord. We pray over it, God. Come, Holy Spirit, do the thing, God, in us and them that you want to do, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Hello, friends. This is Matthew, the lead pastor at Emmanuel Anglican Church in East Atlanta. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We are disciples of Jesus who are seeking his kingdom and the flourishing of our neighbors. And if you want to find out more about Emmanuel and what's going on, just hop over to our website. The address is Emmanuel, that's with an I, EmmanuelATL.org. Thanks so much. God bless you. Grace and peace.